Cinda Williams here. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 11 of the PPC Podcast. I had an interesting dream this week that really made me stop and think. Long story short, my daughter was a toddler in need, but eventually I realized that she was now an adult. I think the dream was saying, let her grow up. She'll always be my child, but she'll never be the little one again. It's time to adapt. And on that note, let's get on with it. Life is all about change. We don't always like it, but it is inevitable. Well, my guest this week had to learn this lesson throughout her life. Before she joins me in a conversation, I will read her essay in the book, 20 Beautiful Women, Volume 3, Adaptability 5.0. Then I'll welcome Lavelle Smith-Hall. Chapter 7, Adaptability 5.0, by Lish. Adapt, a verb, a five-letter word that begins with the first letter of the alphabet. Basic, for the most part, with two vowels, three consonants, and not much visual appeal. Yet, the power of the word adapt has brought great nations to their knees and facets of nature to extinction. In science, living things must adapt to grow and thrive. For living things, life is greatly measured by the survival of the fittest. For instance, animals can gradually adjust coloring or markings to evade predators. Plants often use chemical changes such as a scent to ward off or keep other species from eating them. Humans, on the other hand, don't like change. Most of us, when faced with a new challenge, take the road of least resistance. We could learn a little from the penguins. They now must lay their eggs sooner due to Antarctic warming. Based on research at Stony Brook University in New York, out of three pigeon species, the Adelaide, Chinstrap, and Ginto. Only the Ginto species has been able to acclimate to new climate changes. For the Ginto, their population is thriving, whereas the other two have dwindled. Species that do not welcome change will be faced with extinction. During a recent workout, my trainer said to me, we only survive life's challenges, hardships, and pains when we learn to adapt. Like animals in the wilderness, if we don't survive or adapt to our environment, we become extinct. As I reflected on his comment, I thought back to my upbringing and how my natural instincts kicked in during the most difficult challenges in my life. I remember when I moved from Brooklyn, New York. For years, my favorite aunt Lucy had begged my father to let me finish high school in her small town of New Haven, Connecticut. One day he finally said yes, 
and I felt like a bird with new wings flying off to a new world. I longed to be a kid only responsible for myself and not my younger sisters and to live with someone who would be my second mother. Learning new house rules and adapting to a new city with small town mindsets didn't fit well with my Brooklyn girl rearing. I was a fish out of water trying to learn how to live on land. I left the familiar life I had always known for a chance to grow. Yet leaving what was familiar had its drawbacks. Navigating unfamiliar territory, gaining new friendships, and creating a new relationship with Aunt Lucy were all a part of my new life. My environment had changed, and I had to change with it. Before living with Aunt Lucy, she was my everything. I saw her as the queen of all things and a listening ear for all my troubles or complaints, particularly the ones about my parents. When she took on the role of third parent, however, I began to see her differently. Once my queen, Aunt Lucy soon became the root of the problem for most things, all things, and everything, great and small, as it pertained to my teenage life. She went from BFF to B-O-W, bitch on wheels. The aunt I adored became the disciplined parent I despised. Positive change had not taken hold. However, as my great-grandmother used to say, this too shall pass. Gradually, I adjusted to my new normal. Small town America became more enjoyable. New rules in my new house became appreciated. The relationship between Aunt Lucy and I became stronger. Soon, I would be the first in my family to go away to college. Life was good. At least it was until December 12, 1986, when they found my father dead on the kitchen floor. My teacher, my protector, the first man to love me had died. My world stopped. Aunt Lucy's love carried me through the pain and loss, and her wisdom pointed out to me that no matter what my father did to his body, he always loved me, provided for his family, and instilled strong moral values. We all had to adjust to the aftermath of his death. Everything flew upside down like a roller coaster. My mother couldn't manage life without her husband. After I went back to school, she sank deeper into a world of depression and drugs. Raising my sisters without my father or me, there was not an option for her. My mother never learned to adapt to her new normal, and unfortunately, she didn't survive. Within six years of my father's death, my mother died of AIDS, leaving all of her daughters behind, ages 5 to 24. Slowly, each of us grew accustomed to life without parents. Some did better, did a better job than others at embracing our situation, masking our grief, and thriving despite the adversity. By the grace of God, we all survived. At 26, after working in corporate America for four years, 
I went to advertising school, became engaged, and started a career as a copywriter for one of the largest advertising agencies in Chicago. I began to blossom again. Yet within a year, all that changed when my engagement didn't work out and the feeling of loss found its way back into my life. I realized the person I intended to marry wasn't the best person for me. I needed to move on. So I grieved another loss and kept going. In time, I was involved in a new relationship, which resulted in the birth of my first child at the age of 31. Life moved pretty quickly after my son was born. The art of change came in handy as a single mother, then later as a laid off copywriter. Perseverance strengthened my skills to adapt and helped me to go from being unemployed to applying for a teacher's program. After being accepted, my teaching experience lasted four years. Within four short years, I met my soon-to-be husband, built a house, and gave birth to my second child. In 2007, one year after my daughter was born, Aunt Lucy passed from lung cancer. Another loss. But this one was greater than the others, and now there was no one to help me through my sadness and sorrow. Nothing felt worse than losing the woman who was both my best friend and second mother. How could I be a mother to a daughter without having at least one of my mothers here on earth? Each day brought me to a different level of grief. Each tear and outburst of pain held me hostage against my will. For nearly seven years after my aunt's death, I couldn't see anything special about being a survivor of death. My new normal wasn't normal, and the reward of mastering change escaped me. There was no honor or victory in living with such deep sadness. That is, until God helped me remember my own children. As I watched them grow up, I thought about how and what I teach them in respect to life's hardships. How would I differ from my parents' teachings? What would I tell them about pitfalls and obstacles? My answer came when I recalled my trainer's insightful comment about survival. He mirrored Pearl Bailey's sentiment exactly. We must change in order to survive. For animals, we call it survival of fittest. For humans, we call it survival of self. For those reading this book, I leave you with my five points on adapting to life. And the message I share with my children, when you fall, get back up. Change is part of life. You've got to adapt, baby. Five points on adapting to life. Number one, adjust to situations and circumstances quickly without hesitation. Number two, defy the odds to stay familiar and comfortable. Number three, Accept what it is right in front of you, not behind you. Number four, persevere no matter how uncertain things look around you. And number five, trust God. And without fail, believe that you're on the right track. Lavelle, 
Smith Hall. Welcome to the PPC podcast. Thank you. Oh, Thank you, I, you know what? I don't think there's any better introduction than having read uh, your essay from uh, volume three of 20 Beautiful Women. And by the way, you are a very beautiful woman. And I think it's really apropos that it's uh, uh, International Women's uh, Month and Day to have you as a guest. And I know that uh, coming up next week, I think it's your mom's birthday, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, March 17th. March 17th. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think it's an appropriate time to have you. Um, you know, sometimes I, it bothers me because I, I, it's so easy to get male guests. It's, it's, it's difficult to get wonderful. So far, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm reaching out. I'm <laughs> reaching out. But I really appreciate you coming here. So your essay told us so much about your life. You are uh, definitely a role model for learning how to adapt. And I think that is a beautiful thing about you. So we already kind of know your history. Tell us about now. I know you have two beautiful children that I've had the pleasure of meeting. Uh, tell us about your life. What are you doing now? Yeah. So thank you for that. I love being here. I absolutely love you, Cinda. So thank you for having me. I want to say that. I appreciate the space that we're in. Um, my children, they are my lifeline, literally. Um, Alec is 21. He just turned 21, March 1st. Mm. So he's a March baby. And my daughter, Braylon, will be 15 the end of April. Uh, and they're doing well. You know, we're in the midst of the entire world's in the midst of a pandemic. But I'm really happy because we've been able to like thrive through that and keep moving, mm. right? A friend of mine said recently, there's no wrong move except not to move. And so that has just been the focus. How are we just going to keep moving forward? Mm -hmm. Whatever that looks like, even if it's a struggle, um, that's just my spirit. That's just who I am. I, I believe that when life knocks you down, you got to get back up. It's not always going to feel so great, but you got to figure out how to move, how to crawl if you can't walk, how to walk, you know, if you can't run. And so that's just been my life's journey uh, right now. And so, so to, 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 to answer the question of what am I doing now? I am newly divorced, mm -hmm. um, only a couple of years. Uh, I have um, been a chief, I would say CEO wife and a chief mom. And I've been that for a really long time and did it really well until things didn't work out the way I intended. And so it happens. I'm not I'm not a, a proponent of, of divorce, but I also am a huge supporter of healthy relationships no matter what. And so for me, I chose to be healthy. I chose to be happy. And if that meant um, the marriage needed to, to dissolve, that's what needed to happen. Um, and I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, in the process, I knew that I eventually I'd be on my own. And I also found that a lot of women, particularly moms, because I was a stay-at-home mom and kept the, you know, the, the, the family and everything rolling and going, um, a lot of moms found my home to be a safe space. And in that space, we would talk resources, um, opportunities you know, for the family, 
And I found that there was a lot of questions that moms would ask me surrounding, what about college? What about this particular program to strengthen and to make them more independent and, and observing how I, I deal and do things with Alec and Braylon? I would share it. And then one day I said I was going to do a workshop. And that workshop, I was going to share with parents, just generally, all the things that they could do as it relates to getting their kids into a particular college. Well, that particular workshop then spiraled into the business of Mom Logics, and um, that the, I feel like the guy gave me the name first, and I didn't really know what to do with it. And then it's over the last two years where now moms are actually showing the need. Right. So it's like he gave me the name. I didn't understand what mom logics was. I didn't understand how what it had to do with the workshop and what I needed to do there. But I was obedient. I listened and I just I kept moving. And eventually we, we had our first live event. And from that live event, we opened up a community of moms. We have um, almost thirty five hundred moms in that community. We're working on programming now so that they can actually go deeper and some of the things that they want to do in terms of their their present day parenting it's a it's a challenge um and so um and so yeah so and now now that we're in the the space that we're in mom logics was able to help moms in that space we did these weekly check-ins mm -hmm. and so for 12 weeks we would do check-ins to see how they were doing and then we would have an expert in that area to give them some tips on, you know, how to cook in a pandemic. What about schooling in a pandemic? How to keep yourself well and, you know, mentally and emotionally sane in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so it seemed to become more viable. Like I believe that mom logics was solidified in the midst of the pandemic. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I met you a few years ago and um, I, th I think we're on a panel together or, or no, I was on a panel panel and a, a mutual friend introduced yes. us there yes. and and you introduced me to your poetry which is beautiful you're very open about your sexuality and i love that but i was so i was kind of there at the beginning of mom logics and of course being a mom myself it was very important to me but i think it's really interesting how sometimes it, i look at life as if it's a puzzle and we can see the puzzle piece we're in but God can see the great, the whole thing, right? So yeah. this whole uh, mom logics was is very important for women and, and moms. But I think the timing of it, you got it solidified. You knew who you were, what you were trying to do was perfect timing for for the pandemic. And yeah. and I just I I am always and once again amazed by by the the um the thoughts of God, how, how, you know, we're, we're prepared and we don't even know we're being prepared. And, and I love that about you. You're always, when I talk about you, cause I do, because I think you're bigger than life. I think you've got a beautiful, wonderful giving spirit. And it's like your mom to everybody, you know, you kind of remember how, how Claire Huxable was. It's like, I feel like, I feel like you're that lady. And wasn't she in Brooklyn too? Uh, you're from, you know, so I, I, I really love uh, what you're doing. So for yourself personally, you're, you're about nurturing others, but I also find that sometimes moms got to remember to nurture themselves. How have you taken care of yourself during this time? That's a great question. 
Um, I found some things I used to do before the pandemic, maybe even before kids. And I, I really had to focus in on that. So what I've learned about people who are going through something that's really extreme, my research and my study has been like, what do you have to do? For me, it's I have to get small, if, if you know what that means. Mm-hmm. Like I have to cut out a lot of the noise and the extra, and I have to somewhat just limit, and I have to be really laser focused on the thing. And so in order for me to nurture and keep Alec and Braylon and everybody else, Mom Logics and the moms and the team going, I needed to get clear, you know, get clarity was important. I needed to be connected to God. I needed to zero out, cut out all the extra. Um, in addition to my prayer meditation, listening to song, uh, those are really helpful. And those are my morning rituals um, and daily because I pray throughout the day. It was going back to some of the things that I used to enjoy as a, a young adult or kid. So prime example, I used to love word finds. And so my brain, because I'm doing so much, it just is nonstop. So sleep is really difficult sometimes for me. I always say I'm chasing sleep, but I've learned to add the phone, the um, word find apps on my phone. And I also have the actual books and I just send to find one word at a time. Like I don't find them out of order. Like you used to do when growing up. So I challenge myself to go in order and that helps to slow my brain down and it helps. It gives me something mindful mindfulness or mindfulness, that mindfulness space, um, mindlessness is the word I wanted to use, um, to do in order to be present in the moment. So I'm not all over. I'm not thinking about tomorrow. I'm not anxious about what's going to happen or maybe happen. I'm not thinking about the unknown. I'm not thinking about yesterday. I'm in that space. That's been amazing. Um, being still has been great meaning still and silent and the i would probably say what has been recently the absolute favorite thing for me is i found two outdoor offices Mm. and i drive to after i drop braylon off my daughter off at school because she goes into the building um four days a week i drive to that outside office and in the midst of it winter time one had nothing but ducks that was walking across the pond and the other office had a pond and they were swimming across, right? So one was walking across the grass, one was swimming across the pond. When I tell you the best therapy ever, um, there weren't any people around. I mean, there weren't people with me, you know, I could watch nature. I was either watching the ducks or I was watching the joggers or the walkers or the trees and listening to the birds. It was absolutely my the sweetest spot ever for me. Um, and so that solace, it gave me a, piece, a, a, a space of calm and peace. And it's something you said earlier about God and how incredible he is. I couldn't control anything else. Nobody could. What was happening in our homes because we didn't maybe want the extra kids there or the spouse there or whatever that looked like. But I, and I couldn't control maybe some of the emotions that I had, but I felt like being one with nature in that my outside office allowed me to see what he does that has nothing to do with me mm-hmm. and nothing to do with another human being. Like nobody told the ducks to go. 
But you know, nobody told them to swim across the pond, you know, and so it just allowed me to recenter um, and reconnect to what I what I think a lot of people felt like they lost um, this social connection, like the physical distance or social distance. At least I was able to connect with something I felt was bigger than me. And I could watch that bloom and blossom and do whatever it needed to do. I, I feel that I, I did the same thing. I, 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 I've all, I've always done that. And we'll talk more about that March 17th from two to four Eastern on the PPC radio show, because we are going to have you with us. And I cannot wait to continue this conversation because you are an amazing speaker and, and a brilliant mind. And I can't wait for my audience to meet you there. Thank you so much for, for being with us today. God bless you. And I look forward to uh, seeing you next week. Thank you, Cinda. I love you. Thank you. You too, babe. I have lately actually learned to get excited about change. I've been alive long enough to know that though the fear of the unknown is real, I'm always taken care of in the end. I've learned to count on that truth. So should you. Well, that's it for another PPC podcast. If you'd like to read Lavelle's book, 20 Beautiful Women, Volume 3, it's available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. And if you'd like to hear more about how to adapt in life, you can join Lavelle and the rest of the PPC crew on the PPC radio show on www.thegrownfolksradio.com, March 17th. Thank you again to DJ Kid Disco for always hooking me up with some wonderful production and beats. And thank you to DJ Larry Legend, Sakeen Beats, and Chain Stokes for your amazing music. God bless you all. Until next time, that's a wrap. Hi everyone, this is Cinda Williams coming to you with some exciting news. Every Wednesday, the grownfolksradio.com presents the PPC Radio Show. Every Wednesday from 2 to 4 Eastern, Shelly Show Williams and I are co-hosting this Heal Yourself platform. We are talking about improving the mind, body, and soul. DJ Joe Storm will be bringing us uplifting music. CJ Julianis is our financial therapist. We're going to have phenomenal guests and various therapists, life coaches, and spiritual leaders. And DJ Kid Disco is producing it all. All of this to help us on our paths to restoration. So please join us every Wednesday from 2 to 4 Eastern on the PPC Radio Show at www.thegrownfolksradio.com.